Money FM 89.3, the best of Saturday mornings. Welcome back. Time to join our regular Steve Oaken, joining us from Los Angeles today for the International News Review. Steve, welcome. How's everything in the City of Angels? You know, if Neil was doing the traffic for Los Angeles rather than Singapore, he'd be going on a lot longer. We'd still be <laughs> in the middle of the traffic report. For hours and hours. <laughs> is it that bad, Steve? I mean, I've seen the TV. I've seen the movies. I've, you know, is it that horrendous? Uh, only for 16 hours a day. Oh, that's <laughs> There's okay. about eight hours. There's no traffic. But, but for the 16 or so, it's pretty bad. Yeah. And let me just say, I'm in Los Angeles, and it's great, but I'm, I'm headed to, to New York on Sunday, you know, and Donald Trump warned of potential death and destruction if he is charged in Manhattan. And I'm going to be right near that courthouse. So I don't know if I'm looking forward to New York next week as much as I am Los Angeles. Please please don't die or be destructed, Steve. We like you too much. <laughs> or, or do any of the destructive yeah or do any of this <laughs> of course you know this is this saga has been talked about for a week now it was supposed to happen last tuesday so you know i mean he's just trump's just trying to well, drum up whatever but we're, we're well, not, we're it wasn't supposed to happen it wasn't supposed to happen last tuesday trump said it was going to happen last tuesday based upon nothing so yeah. yes exactly let's let's consider the source <laughs> all right hey let's talk about TikTok. That is the hot topic. Um, the president of or the CEO of TikTok was uh, testifying before Congress on Thursday. The um, the U.S. government is is very uh, you know very concerned about TikTok and government employees using it and blah 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 blah. Take us where where are we right today? And there's been a lot of follow up to that uh, Thursday testifi- testimony in Congress as well. I look, the question is, can a Singaporean save TikTok? <laughs> I mean, you have, uh, you know, you know, Mr. Chu, the, the, the CEO of, of TikTok, um, trying desperately to distance TikTok from China, saying he was born in Singapore. He lives in Singapore with his wife, who happened to be born in Virginia, and their two children. He attended business school in the U.S., so did everything he could to distance TikTok from China. He couldn't do it. Um, And look, he had a a really tough case to sell. And, you know, when the opening of the hearing is the chair of the committee, Kathy Rogers, a Republican from from Washington state, she opens her remarks by saying TikTok is a weapon for the Chinese Communist Party to spy on you. And you are talking to Mr. Chu. Your platform should be banned. It's going to be really tough to save it. On that point, Steve, what I found fascinating, and I watched it, I found it completely engrossing. It was very different to what I remember a few years back. Do you remember, Glenn, when Zuckerberg was called up? Yeah, And it was embarrassing. It was really boomer time. There were guys on the committee who didn't even seem to know what the internet was, let alone Facebook. Mm. This felt very different. First, it was bipartisan. Secondly, it was very driven, very targeted, very well researched. They were not holding back here. And I almost felt there was something more to it than just political national security interests. Hmm. Are these guys just protecting their business interests? Is there an element of that as well? I don't I don't think so as much as is it what unites everything. It, it unites, you know, Democrats and Republicans united against the, the Communist Party of China. So you have that. But there is a lot of concern about social media, not just TikTok, but a lot of concern about social media when it comes 
to people's mental health, Mm -hmm. when it comes to children and teenagers being addicted to it, when it comes to having it to be an ability to bring out false claims and 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 drive negative and false perceptions mm. um, against the U.S. government against people, so it's it's put all of that together, but but wrap it around China and the and the and the Communist Party, and it is different. I mean, in fact, you know, one of the a Democratic re- uh, representative said that the CEO of TikTok was one of the few people to unite the committee, comparing him unfavorably to Zuckerberg. So it is pretty bad. But that was my point, Steve. Mm. The emphasis has been on security. I'm no apologist for TikTok, by the way, but I'm just looking at it from both sides. Every time I switch on my phone, people know where I am, what I'm doing, what I'm buying, what I'm eating, whether it's Facebook, Instagram. I only have to search for something on Facebook, and I, the, the algorithms kick in, and I'm getting 50 other things like that. This is nothing new, this perceived breach of data, this threat to personal security. This feels almost entirely political driven would that be fair or not no i mean look there's a difference there is a difference national security question when it comes to a company that is owned by china versus a company that's owned um in the united states and look he was asked you know what happened why is it that um your company has spied on journalists in the united states and he said well i don't think it was spying is the being the right way to describe it that was not a very good answer Mm. to that particular question when asked is it does the chinese government if they demand user data will you be compelled to give it to them and he didn't have a good answer to that question because chinese law does chinese law does compel it so there is a difference here between between facebook and instagram and youtube and twitter and and tiktok now the question is what what does that mean legally in the United States? What will Congress do? Those questions are are open right now. Yeah, and look, I mean, not to beat the dead horse here, but there have been plenty of of cases over the decades where the FBI has been spying on American exactly. journalists, and you know, you know, look, the internal surveillance system in the U.S. is nothing to um to to brag about. And in terms external of, with the CIA and external and everything. I you know, as always, the person who is doing the accusing they are the good guys and the people who are accused are the bad you know one one man's freedom fighter is another man's rebel sort of uh, uh, concept so but, uh, we get that yeah, and we're I, in a political season but and there's quite, I get, but, but there there is a difference i mean the, the the chinese law states that it is the first obligation of any chinese company that its its obligation is not to the shareholders it's not to the customers it's to the communist party mm. and at any point in time the data can be asked for that is very different than what in the us system well sure the government can go and get a warrant and do surveillance and it, and it will do those things there's a difference between that and what what the the legal system is in china and the question is how are you going to address that difference when you've got 150 million Americans on TikTok and that TikTok is an incredibly, I mean, beyond popular app. It's the most popular app in the United yeah. States. And so yeah. that's what, what, what Congress is, is grappling with right now. It's what the Biden administration is grappling with right now. And, and look, the CEO, you know, did not do a great job to address the legitimate concerns on top of the politics that are involved, mm. no question. Can I just have one quick one? And this is a sensitive one that you may not be able to answer, but he did make mm-hmm. the point several times it is a Singapore-based company for the most part. That was his defence. What are, if any, the possible ramifications for Singapore in all of this, as he's literally using Singapore as his defence card? 
Well, look, and, and he had an issue going in because on the eve of the hearing, the Chinese government said it will not allow a sale of TikTok. So if the Chinese government mm. is saying that, then how can you say it's a Singapore company if the Chinese mm. government has control and veto over it? But, Neil, no question, this is going to be a concern for, for companies because Shine is – you know, headquartered in Singapore now. It is it is on its face held by a, a Singapore firm, which is its holding company. But is that going to make a difference um, to the U.S.? So, you know, where are you headquartered? What makes you a Chinese company, an American company, a Singapore company? I mean, that is a real challenge mm-hmm. for all businesses now. But mm-hmm. it, it's why you do see Chinese businesses coming to headquartered in, in Singapore. TikTok is headquartered in Singapore for a reason. China is headquartered in Singapore um, for a reason. China? Because Sorry. it is better. You said I mean, China? Is? Yeah. Shine is, Shine is headquartered me, in Shine. Singapore. Thank you. Right. Shine is headquartered in Singapore yeah. for a reason because it is advantageous vis-a-vis being headquartered in China mm. when you are trying to do business in the United States or globally. Mm. Yeah, we don't want to say China is headquartered in Singapore. Well, that will set off all kinds yeah, of yeah. red flags. And, and look, you know, if I had a dollar over the decades for how many times my friends said to me, oh, you live in Singapore, what's it like to live in China? Well, exactly. That was <laughs> yeah. my point. I mean, Americans, yeah. let's face it, are not the always the brightest on, on their geography. And I really believe Singapore <laughs> And Singapore could do without this right now. I've got to be very honest. They could do without this right now. Okay, we got to move on, uh, Steve, to a a bromance. uh, The bromance between Xi Jinping and Vladimir Putin. She said his dear friend Vladimir, uh, as they conducted their um, two-day meeting in Moscow uh, on Tuesday evening. It's just love all around, isn't it, for these guys? Well, it is and it isn't. I mean, I'll say this is a very much one way, and it is Putin needs she much more than than she needs Putin. So this is a they, they do come together clearly because China is trying to create a different uh, global system than the one that we have today. The the, the more of the the Western system that's been in place for decades. Uh, Xi Jinping wants to create a alternative to that. Um, this Russia being his his biggest partner, but it is a junior partner in the relationship. Mm-hmm. And I think you saw that in what happened in in Moscow. You saw that you know Putin pulled out all the stops. Yet at the end of the day, China didn't give up much uh, to Putin, but Putin needs him much more. So it is a bromance, but it's it's a it's a big brother, little brother bromance. Hmm. But speaking of big brother, I mean, Xi Jinping did say change is coming that hasn't happened in 100 years. Very forthright. The Americans saying it's quite belligerent. If you read the comments coming out, I think Blinken said it and other Americans, they're very concerned about this, shall we say, belligerent tone. Are those those fears justified or is this just an ongoing rhetoric between US and China? No, this is much stronger rhetoric than you've ever seen coming out of out of China. You know, he is you know, he has said the US is engaged in an all around containment encirclement and suppression of China, and that this is bringing unprecedented severe challenges. And he's to counter this pressure. You have C giving Putin political and economic support, and certainly giving him cover for the Russian invasion of Ukraine. I mean, Putin is now has been accused credibly of war crimes. And yet Xi Jinping goes to Moscow to visit with him, doesn't mention it, of course, um, rather says this is a not a military aggression by by Russia, keeps 
talking about this is in Russia's, you know, protection because of Western encroachment. So, yeah, I mean, the, the, the rhetoric is very different now and the actions are very different now. Yet still, Xi Jinping has not crossed the line. China hasn't crossed the line in giving lethal assistance to Russia yet in support of its invasion. So, so we're still not there yet. Steve, uh, let's move. We will keep an eye on that situation. More uh, U.S. firms are more negative about doing business in China. Um, a new study by the American Chamber of Commerce in China. I guess this isn't really a, much of a surprise, is it, Steve? Well, I mean, it's again, it, it, it is evidence when the AmCham in China says U.S. companies are more negative than they've been in a long time about doing business in China. Um, it shows that the increasing tensions between the U.S. and China have made business very challenging there. It's, it's Ukraine, it's COVID, it's Taiwan, it's TikTok, it's semiconductors, it's all of that. And that's resulted in the U.S. having U.S. businesses who are surveyed where China is no longer regarded as a top three investment priority by a majority of U.S. companies doing business in China. So it's, 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 it is significantly different today than it was certainly pre-COVID. And taking that into account, plus the recent news with TikTok, plus Glenn's point about the stereotypical close relationship between China and Singapore, does that have any impact on businesses setting up in Singapore, possibly being headquartered in Singapore? You know, Mm. the fear of being associated with China, rightly or wrongly, or will it have no difference? Well, no, I mean, it's having a huge difference. First, it's having a huge difference for is American companies say this, Chinese companies say this. So you see Chinese companies being headquartered in Singapore now. I mean, TikTok and and Shine being two prominent examples of that. You certainly see U.S. companies diversifying out of China with their supply chains and otherwise. You see headquarters coming out of Hong Kong and moving to Singapore. But, But you have to keep that in the context that China remains an incredibly important market for U.S. companies, U.S. businesses, and mm, U.S. investors. Course. And so you're, you're not seeing, you know, just people leaving, you know, lock, stock, and barrel out of China, but you're seeing a diversification yeah. out of China. But boy, it is just so much harder to do business in China today than it was years past. And, that, and that's what the MGM survey finds. Yeah, and there will apparently be some additional regulations uh, brought in by the U.S. government later this year, sometime this year, to uh, further make some of those uh, transfers of technology or products or goods and services, um, you know, another level of, uh, of, that, of the CFIUS um, uh, response there uh, from the U.S. side. So we, we'll keep our eyes on that as, as more comes through. But I want to finish out our international news review today uh, very close to home. And that is a U.N. think tank has come out and said that Singapore is the top bottled water consumer globally. Now, each person in Singapore spent 1,800 Singapore dollars and consumed 1,100 liters of bottled water in 2021. Uh, These are staggering numbers, Steve, especially compared to Australia, which, you know, consumed 500 liters per person. Singapore has a vision of becoming a zero waste nation. Yeah. How is it ever going to get there when when Singaporeans spend more money on bottled water globally than anyone in the world. Yeah. I mean, it, it, you know, we just heard that, you know, that there is going to be a tax to go on to Sentosa. So they're going to make people pay to go on to Sentosa. Why can't you apply that logic to bottled water? Why can't you apply that, that logic to plastic bags? I mean, there's got to be a lot more substance put 
on individuals from the government when it comes to becoming that zero-waste nation that, that Singapore has a goal of becoming. In fairness, Steve, this often comes from a, a position of kindness. I was at a couple of events this week, and I know this happened to you and Glenn before, where I was automatically handled, handled, you know, past bottles of water. Happens all the time. Happens at schools, happens mm. at events, happens at meetings. From well-meaning folks, but when tap water isn't accessible. Plus, the second thing that I think has been lost here, our proud hawker centre culture can't be underestimated because there is no tap water accessible at a hawker centre. So for the most part, Singaporeans do drink at home and they do use their own tap water and they boil it and use it. And schools also use their own water bottles. Is it more broadly a a unique aspect of our culture, our hawker centre culture, and this kindness to give out bottles at events? Why is it that Singapore is one of the last countries in the world, uh, certainly one of the last, you know, major economically developed countries in the world that doesn't have a a tax when it comes to plastic bags? I, I mean, and that's coming. You know, by the way, that's that, coming. Lewis, that, um, it's coming. Yeah. But what's to, why has it taken so long to put a, a tax on this? So the government can be doing a lot more um, to be, you know, to put the infrastructure in place so that people will be carrying around water bottles. If you carry around a water bottle, you'll have the chance to fill it. You go into gyms now. Gyms, a lot of gyms have, have banned, you know, plastic cups there. You want to drink water in a gym? Bring your bottle. If you yeah. don't bring your bottle, then you're going to have to go home and get it or you're going to do a workout yeah. without water. You can do the same thing almost anywhere. So I think it's going to take some real government leadership here in, term, in terms of making it easier for people. Then there's other ways. There was a you know professor at, at NUS said, let's embarrass people like when it comes <laughs> to using plastic bags. And he said, let's put a graphic health warning label. Like you have these graphic health warning labels on cigarette packs to deter smokers. You see, you know, the diseased mm. lungs and this stuff. Mm. Put images of distressed marine animals trapped in plastic waste mm. on, on plastic bags. And then let people carry that around and remind them what it, what their behavior is causing. So there's so much that yeah. can get done in Singapore. I mean, it, it, it's got the right policies in place. The government talks right. the, about the setting the right targets. But now you've got to... Not only you have to nudge people, but then you also have to have a little bit of a stick uh, I, as well to change behavior. I was in a Seven Eleven the other day, and uh, 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 I never take the plastic bag that they they don't even offer anymore. They just automatically put stuff in plastic bags. That's the first thing. Why can't businesses ask? Do you need a plastic bag? Right? Yeah. It's almost like the upsize culture. You've got to stop telling people, "Do you yeah. want it upsized?" Yeah. You know, they've got to ask for it's it. It's got to be an opt out rather than an yeah, opt in. Exactly. Right? But but this person in the, in the in the queue in front of me bought a small bottle of water, not a big one, a small bottle of water, and then had them put it in a plastic bag to carry away. <laughs> the and double I, bagging is my favorite. And, yeah. And I said to the person, I said, you know, uh, is it politely, as politely as I could, you know, excuse me, do you really need a bag? Can't you just carry that? Their hands were not full. And the person just looked at me like I was from Mars. Like, what are you talking about? Of course I'm going to put it in a plastic bag and walk away with it. You know, so there is a there is a mindset culture here, uh, you know, culture mindset that is just um, is way out of whack. And I'm giving myself the last word. Steve, we got to go. Yeah, I'll give you the last word. The, the largest market for bottled water is still the U.S. So you don't get off scot-free. The per US, capita. Yeah. Not, yeah. Uh, per capita. Not per person. 
Not per person. Yeah. It's, it's, it's incredible. Singapore yeah. people buy over eleven hundred liters bottle, eleven hundred liters of water per person. Mm. So, Glenn, that person you saw would probably have to do that like two or three times a day, yeah. like for for all year to hit what the average here. Yeah. No, no, Singapore is off the charts in the use of plastic water. Oh, look, I get it. If the drinking water wasn't safe, I mean, you know, we, you know. Yeah. Look, everybody. Look, Prime Minister Prime Minister Lee could drink new water. Maybe he can. He can, you know, say no more plastic water bottles. Well, and this is the other point, and we do honestly have to go. But Singapore <laughs> has the has the best public drinking water the supply best. on the planet. Has the best recycled water. <laughs> I drank just, new water at my book launch. It's, it's uh, there is absolutely no need. It's not like we're living in some third world country where the the city water is bad. Anyway, Steve, we got to go. Have a great time in L.A. Are you back in Singapore next week? No, I'm at New York for two weeks, and I'm going to go see Billy Joel tomorrow. Uh, I mean, uh, Sunday in Madison Square Garden. So awesome. I'll, I'll be thinking of you. Have a great trip. Have a great concert. <laughs> we'll uh, we'll talk to you soon. Okay. You got it. See you. Take care. Bye bye. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download our audio app. That's A W E D I O. Available on Google Play or the App Store.